Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include my interview with Andy Walden and Gunnar Blix on record tapable equity in an equity-centric market, and why there are stagflation worries. Thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Black Knight. During these podcasts with Black Knight, we will be speaking with several folks from the company's data and analytics division, which provides high-quality, comprehensive, and nationwide property and mortgage data, as well as cutting-edge analytics solutions. Black Knight's data and analytics help lenders mitigate risk, generate more leads, and reduce costs. As a result, lenders across the U.S. trust Black Knight's data and analytics to help them be more competitive and grow their business. Rates were up yesterday, continuing a bumpy start to the week. Predictably, it is due to worries about inflation and measures by central banks to contain it. The World Bank cut its 2022 global growth forecast from 4.1% to 2.9%, noticeably lower than the 5.7% we enjoyed last year. The war in Ukraine, supply chain issues, and lockdowns in China are the big drivers of the downgrade. There is also the risk of stagflation due to a combination of supply shocks and a prolonged period of highly loose monetary and fiscal policy. Any slowdown in growth puts potential pressure on the Fed to moderate its path of 50 basis point hikes. The Fed will be data dependent, but the drop in new home sales is worrisome since housing has typically been a big driver of economic performance. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show Andy Walden and Gunnar Blix. Andy Walden is the Vice President of Enterprise Research and Strategy of the Data and Analytics Section for Black Knight Inc., a premier provider of integrated software, data, and advanced analytics to the mortgage and real estate industries. As the chair of Black Knight's editorial board and the guiding force behind Black Knight's Mortgage Monitor Report, Andy is widely cited by media outlets and industry publications. His insights are gleaned through in-depth analysis of Black Knight's robust suite of data solutions, including Black Knight's industry-leading McDash loan-level mortgage performance database, the Black Knight Home Price Index, SiteX, a comprehensive U.S. property database, and numerous additional data repositories. He has over 15 years of industry experience, including default servicing operations, market surveillance, and applied mortgage analytics. Gunnar Blix is Director of Housing Market Research for the Data and Analytics Division of Black Knight. In this role, Gunnar researches trends across Black Knight's data assets, including McDash servicing and origination data, property data, home price indices, and more. Gunnar is an established professional with deep experience in housing, mortgage, property, and credit data, along with predictive modeling and analytics. Prior to Black Knight, he was the founder and principal of Plum Sage Advisors, a consulting firm focused on credit and economics. He was also the deputy chief economist at Equifax, one of the largest global information solutions companies in the U.S. Gunnar, I want to start with you. As we were discussing yesterday, home values have skyrocketed since the start of the pandemic, and while that creates a huge challenge for home buyers and the purchase lending market, the same rising prices have resulted in record levels of what Black Knight calls tappable equity. Can you explain what that is and quantify what those record levels look like? We uh, talk of tappable equity as the amount of equity that's available to homeowners with a mortgage to borrow against while still maintaining a 20% equity cushion. That is uh, staying at or below a loan-to-value ratio of 80%. Uh, it's a good benchmark for the addressable market for cash out and home equity lending. 
And in the first quarter of 2022, due to rising home prices across all top markets as a whole, homeowners with mortgages gained an unprecedented $1.2 trillion in capital equity. That's the largest single quarter of equity gain on record dating back to uh, 2005. And if we compare to the same time last year, mortgage holders now have 2.8 trillion more equity. That's a marking an increase of 34% in lendable equity uh, or withdrawable equity over the last 12 months alone. Total capital equity is now at $11 trillion. That's the highest such volume of equity available to borrow against on record. And uh, that's an addressable market that's swelled by 65% since the onset of the pandemic and more than two times the levels that we saw at the peak of the market in, in 2006. And if we look at what that means for the typical homeowner, that equates to more than $207,000 in capital equity for the average mortgage holder. And that's up from 127,000 at the onset of the pandemic. Uh, those rising prices have also resulted in the lowest levels of leverage amongst mortgage holders on record with outstanding mortgage debt equating less than 43% of the underlying home value of the homes that there are mortgages tied to. And Andy, have people been tapping that equity? What have you seen in the data? I mean, they absolutely have. It's been kind of an interesting environment. You've seen overall equity utilization grow to its highest level since that 2005, six, seven timeframe. So you're absolutely seeing equity utilization take place in the market. It's been a little bit more cash out driven than we traditionally see there. Typically, HELOCs account for kind of 60 to 70% of all uh, equity withdrawals from the market. Last year, it was about 60% cash out. So it was dominant. Uh, from a cash out perspective, as, as we've seen in, in recent history, just because of the rate environment that's been playing out. But if you look at the number of homeowners that have been utilizing that equity, we have seven and a half million folks that have used cash out refinances over the last two years to withdraw equity from their home, almost a million cash out refis per quarter over the last six quarters. So some significant volumes that we've seen there. And then when we look at overall equity withdrawals, we've seen about 475,000, or excuse me, $475 billion in equity withdrawals coming from just cash outs alone over the, the span of the pandemic and about 450 billion total dollars in 2021 alone withdrawn from the market. So you are starting to see those volumes increase here alongside that overall equity. Haven't we been here before though, the run up in prices, the increase in equity, a, a rising level that homeowners are pulling out? How's the stock up compared to 2005, 2006? Well, the run-up in prices is certainly concerning for um, several reasons, particularly around the affordability and access for first-time homebuyers. The drivers behind that run-up uh, this time is much different than in 2005, 2006, and the mortgage underwriting standards are much better and much more conservative. Um, so the main driver of home prices today is really the lack of inventory available for sale. So it's a supply issue. And there are a few obvious short-term sources for that inventory to dramatically increase. The 2005-2006 um, increase was really to some extent driven by the Fed lowering short-term rates and buying MBS and that drove the mortgage rates down. And that increased demand and, and furthered the decline in inventory. And so that pushed the prices, uh, price growth up. 
and that increased demand and the further decline in the inventory um, there was really a, a lot of investors and flippers that started stepping up with much regard for the possibility of those prices ever dropping uh, and then lenders also fueling that frenzy with lax underwriting standards and no documentation loans and negative amortization loans and while there's strong demand now as well the lack of supply really means that the rug is likely to be pulled away from under us quite in the same way. And there's already signs that that demand will start to moderate price gains over the next few months. And that the and the, and the 43 percent equity cushion really means we're in a much better spot. And I'll take that one from an equity utilization perspective as well, because I think a lot of times when we talk home equity lending, we talk cash out lending, all eyes go back to 2005, six and seven and and rightfully so, right? We want to make sure that the equity utilization that's taking place in the market today is being done conservatively and appropriately. So if we look at, at equity withdrawals, and I mentioned in 2021, so last year, we saw the largest equity withdrawal come out of the housing market that we've seen since 2005, 2006, 2007. But it's largely kind of mirrored that growth in overall tappable equity that Gunnar was talking about earlier, right? And so really over the last four years, we've held relatively steady at about 6% of available equity being withdrawn from the market, which means that equity withdrawals are simply just rising alongside the overall uh, growth in equity in the market. Uh, the other way that we kind of look at it is what, again, what share of available equity now versus then. Again, over the last four years, we've seen about 6% equity withdrawal per year. Back in 2005, at the peak, we saw about 16%. So comparatively speaking, we're withdrawing about one third the volume of equity that we were withdrawing from the market back in 2005, six, and seven. And then when you look at the underlying characteristics, Gunnar talked about this one just in the overall housing market as a whole, but when you look at it, from an equity standpoint or an equity withdrawal perspective, right on cash out refinances, the average credit score 40 points higher than it was back in 2005, six, seven. If you look at the resulting CLTV, so how much meat is left on the bone after these withdrawals are taking place, we're still seeing resulting CLTVs below 70%, which are some of the lowest rates that we've ever seen. Meaning borrowers are really being kind of judicious about what we're seeing out there in the market right now or, or what they're withdrawing out there in the market right now. And then despite, Again, the largest equity withdrawals that we've seen since since 2005, six, seven, we're, we're still seeing record levels of equity growth, right? So netting that out, we still saw $2.8 trillion of tappable equity growth over the last 12 months. We saw over the overall addressable market or the overall lendable or withdrawable market rise by 34% over the last 12 months. So still seeing some very, very strong growth levels, even despite the withdrawals that are taking place in the market. So again, when we kind of use history as our guide, we certainly want to keep an eye on what's going on. We, we want to make sure we're not getting overzealous with equity utilization, but we're, what we're seeing right now is, is still being done relatively safely. You mentioned that cash out refis were the primary vehicle by which borrowers have been accessing their equity. Now the rates are above 5% and the majority of current first liens are at least a full percentage point below the prevailing rate. Are we seeing a shift from those to HELOCs? Yeah, I think absolutely we will this year for a number of different reasons. You just touched on one of them, right? If you look at who's holding this equity, how much equity they're holding, right? We look at that $11 trillion out there to lend against or to borrow against. A third of those borrowers have locked in, refinanced down to first lien interest rates below 3%. Three quarters have locked in interest rates below 4%. So these are homeowners, mortgage holders that have already locked in very low first lien interest rates and have incentive to hold those rates or if they want to tap into some of that equity in their home, they have more incentive to use it uh, to use second lien 
home equity loans, home equity lines of credit to tap into that equity. The second piece is the rate component out there in the market, right? If you look at what's going on with HELOC rates versus 30-year mortgages, the Fed has laid out their plan for how they're going to run off their balance sheet and how they're going to raise short-term interest rates here in the near term. And what we saw over the first really three to five months of this year was the 10-year treasury market, the bond market, mortgage market reacting to that. And we saw a two plus percent rise in 30-year rates. Well, short-term rates haven't risen that much yet, right? And so we have this kind of imbalance where long-term rates have already reacted to what they expect short-term rates to do over the next couple of years. But there's this kind of inequity in the market right now. And HELOC rate offerings are actually below 30-year rate offerings for the first time consistently since 2008, right? So you have this environment where borrowers are incentivized to use second lien mortgages because they've already locked in record low rates and HELOC rates are comparatively attractive right now. And so we've, we had this dynamic last year where cash outs were all the rage, cash outs drove 60% of all equity withdrawals. It'll likely uh, potentially even flip-flop this year where we go back to 60 to 70% home equity lending, which could cause a little bit of boon in, in secondly lending uh, here as we move throughout 2022. I know there are a lot of originators in our audience whose ears just perked up. What kind of volumes could we see in equity products? That's a, it's a good question, right? And it's tough to quantify exactly what kind of growth that we'll see there. We know that we have record levels of equity out there, but prices and, and costs of utilizing that equity are, are rising across the board, right? So both cash out as well as HELOCs facing some headwinds in terms of overall lending. But I think there are a couple different ways that, that we could look at this that could give us a little bit of a gauge of, of potential growth in that HELOC space. The first one, and I, I mentioned this earlier, we've been running at about 6% of all available equity being withdrawn in each of the last four years. And historically, HELOCs have accounted for 60 to 70% of the market. Right? Last year, it was 40%. We expect to kind of transition more back towards a normal market this year, right? So if we just quantify what happens if we see uh, 6% of the now $11 trillion of available equity withdrawn from the market, we go back to that more traditional environment of 60 to 70% home equity lending taking place out there in the market. If we see that, home equities could have the potential to double this year in terms of overall lending volumes. Now, if we see a little bit more conservative activity, last year, 2.5% was withdrawn via HELOCs. If we stay in that 2.5% range, then you're looking at more 30 to 35% growth. So I think there's an array of outcomes we could see this year, depending on how aggressive both borrowers and lenders are in, in, in that home equity space and, and home equity utilization. But I think there's some potential for some potentially significant growth out there in, in terms of overall home equity volumes. And what about negative equity? After the last housing bubble, home values declined quickly and many mortgage holders found themselves owing more on their loans than their homes were worth, being underwater in layman's terms. Is that something that we need to be concerned about today? Out of more than 50 million homeowners with a mortgage, uh, only around 200,000, that's less than one half of 1%, currently owe more on their mortgage than their home is worth. That's the lowest share ever recorded. Um, a decade ago, entering 2011, that share was as high as 30%. And with prices rising 42% over the last two years, fewer than 2.5% of mortgages have a current mark-to-market loan-to-value ratio of over 90%. So that's also the lowest ever recorded. And at the peak of the market in 2006, that share was nearly four times as high. So, and as we discussed previously, the market currently has a pretty healthy aggregate loan to value ratio of 43%, which is also at a record low. 
And so the point is we could see a marginal pullback in prices at this point without seeing a significant number of mortgage holders fall into a negative equity position. During the uh, great financial crisis, we really had a confluence of multiple factors that caused a collapse in demand um, all at the same time. The market was likely oversupplied. Um, investors withdrew from the market. Lenders tightened up their standards, or some of them actually disappeared altogether. Uh, and funding in the secondary market dried up as well. We may see a, a strong response now from demand, uh, but with the supply being really so low, the market is in a much better position to absorb uh, a demand shock. And it would certainly result in falling sales, which we've already started to see a little bit, but it would take a noticeable drop in demand before the markets would become um, even balanced at this point. And what's interesting is we've looked at that in terms of borrowers in forbearance as well. Obviously, a lot of eyes on those 600,000 plus borrowers that are still struggling to make mortgage payments out there from the pandemic. And even among those borrowers that are that are struggling with cash flows, they're actually pretty equity rich right now. If you look at when those borrowers became delinquent, they became delinquent in the first three months of the pandemic. Really, Q2 2020 was when the bulk of that serious delinquency inflow took place in the market. And we've seen home prices rise by 42% from that point. So even borrowers that were close to 100% CLTV at the beginning of the pandemic when they became delinquent are now sitting on 40% plus equity positions in their home. So even among struggling homeowners, right? Struggling uh, via cash flow, struggling with delinquency, equity positions can continue to be extremely strong because of that massive home price growth we've seen over the last couple of years. So uh, I think a, a noticeably different dynamic than than what we saw play out last time in, in very, very low levels of, of, of equity struggles out there in the market right now. Excellent color from both of you. Thank you very much for making the time and coming on to talk to me today. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Today's calendar kicked off with the latest decision from the ECB where they left rates unchanged but announced the end of asset purchases and laid the groundwork for liftoff as soon as the July meeting. Our domestic calendar is also underway with weekly jobless claims, which came in up 27,000 to 229,000, higher than forecasts. Later today is a treasury auction of $19 billion reopened 30-year bonds. Yesterday, we had a dud of a $33 billion 10-year treasury note auction, similar to the weak demand seen at Tuesday's three-year note sale. The New York Fed desk will purchase up to $1.7 billion of conventional MBS across 15-year 3.5% through 4% and 30-year 3.5% through 4.5%. We begin the day with agency MBS prices worse than eighth to a quarter and the 10-year yielding 3.06 after closing yesterday at 3.03%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Evidence has been found that William Tell and his family were avid bowlers. Unfortunately, all the Swiss League records were destroyed in a fire. And so we'll never know for whom the Tells bowled. <laughs> Thanks again to Black Knight. This week's podcast sponsor is an award-winning software, data and analytics company that drives innovation in the mortgage and real estate industries and the capital and secondary markets. The company's data and analytics division provides comprehensive property and mortgage data, as well as innovative analytics. Learn more at blackknightinc.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at 
Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.